Welcome back to another episode of the best podcast in the minors. I'm, of course, producer Carter, and I am joined by the minor league dude, the man himself, Daniel Guerrero. Daniel, we've been off for a couple weeks. How have you been? You know, I've been good. Uh, Carter, I hope you've been as uh, good as well. I think we should play like a little bit of wedding bells, I guess, in the background. Yes. For your introduction and give a little shout out to uh, the Mr. and Mrs. Chapley, who have officially uh, tied the knot. So in the eyes, of, in the eyes of God and the law, it's official now. It okay. has been a uh, it, yeah. We've been I've been off. I had I had to take last week off. We missed that. Um, we're, we're we are a couple. We are we have been for two years, but now it's official in the eyes of God. But we're not here to talk about my nuptials or why I've been taking time off. Uh, we're here to talk about uh, minor league baseball, as we always have. Minor league baseball, Daniel. What's been going on in the world of minor league baseball? Like, where, where, where do we find ourselves here now? Just about a month into the season. Well, I mean, I think we're seeing a lot of guys. Um, I mean, a lot of prospects kind of start starting to get adjusted or still figuring out the leagues or the levels that they're in. I mean, I obviously we the last time we talked about this, we I think we broke down the dispatch dozen and talked about you know so where some guys would end up, and obviously Jordan Walker's. Back in the minors after a, what a 19, 20 game stint in the majors. Um, obviously, he's going down to Memphis to work on some things. At the time of this recording, he's actually batting leadoff in his first game as a Redbird or as a Memphis Redbird, I should say. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think we're seeing some guys like Mason Wynn kind of show like those semblances of like, okay, the types of hitters he type of hitter he can be at that level. I think we're seeing uh, with Matthew Libator especially. I mean, his strong start to the season, the increased velocity. Uh, the better use of his curveball. I think we're seeing him take a lot of the changes the Cardinals look for from him into the regular season with Memphis and, and use that to his advantage. Uh, and we're also seeing a, little, a couple of surprises even at that level. I mean, Luke and Baker is a guy who I feel like we haven't really talked a whole lot about or right, haven't written, gotten the chance to write a lot about. But, I mean, he's off to a really strong start, an OPS above 1,000, uh, one of the more productive home run hitters in all of minor league baseball, especially in, in the international league. And that's just at the, at the Memphis level, right? I mean, uh, Springfield, I know we'd kind of preview this a little bit, but, I mean, uh, when it comes to just those guys who land on those prospect lists, uh, Springfield is a little, it's a little bit more um, – there's not as many guys on that list who, mm-hmm. who, who are, you know, Springfield Cardinals at the moment. I mean, there's certainly guys who at Peoria and the higher level could end up making their way to AA at some point this year. Um, obviously the big name in Springfield to start the year was Michael McGreevy. And after really his probably two most effective outings of his professional career, um, gets the call up to Memphis, made his debut Wednesday night and, you know, showed some semblances of like, okay, like you're seeing that development. You're seeing this guy grow into, uh, you know, that, that type of middle of the rotation pitcher is going to provide consistency in innings and get the ball on the ground. Um, and then, you know, but, Below that, I mean, I think one of the big things we're seeing, especially at Peoria and Palm Beach, is just kind of the pitching, uh, especially some of the guys who were recently drafted. I think Peoria, we're seeing a little bit of a slow start to some of the guys' seasons. I mean, Tim Kent has been on the injured list. Um, he is expected to throw later this week uh, before, you know, he kind of gets his he, – he makes another start. Um, the Cardinals are still kind of going through the motions and going through reevaluations for hence. Um, Cooper Jerpy is just kind of struggling with command and kind of searching for that a little bit. I mean, the first round pick has made a couple of starts ready for Peoria. Um, and then you go all the way down to Palm Beach and you have three 2022 first, uh, 2022 draft picks, 
um, really providing quality innings. Um, and I know we'll get into that, but I mean, when, when I guess I know I've kind of rambled on a bit about the four different levels, but I mean, I think we can kind of touch on Memphis first and, and what's been going on there and kind of the, I guess the early changes we're going to see with Jordan Walker's ret- not actually not return, but I guess debut and arrival yeah. at the triple A level. Yeah. I mean, I, I do want to, before we kind of like touch on each level, it's, I think important to talk about like the greater themes. And I think you hit on it there is that pitching has been the greater theme overall of across all the levels really is mm-hmm. how the pitchers have been doing, what the pitchers have been doing, who's pitching where uh, I, it, it feels like, and correct me if I'm wrong, that perhaps the guys at the plate are besides maybe like some spotted, you know, success guys like Luke and Baker, you met who you mentioned, um, the guy, the guys at the plate have been less notable than the guys on the on the mound in terms of like what's going on in their seasons. It seems like. Yeah, I would say that. I mean, because I think when you look at the, I guess just results wise, the guys who are standing out. Um, I mean, yeah, Luke and Baker's off to a really good start. I mean, I know we talked a lot about Moises Gomez last year and, mm-hmm. and in this off season. I mean, he's just homered once, and he's. I mean, he's hitting. Fairly consistent, consistently, I think his average is around like 260, but just the power numbers have yet to really show up for for him. Mm. Um, and I think you kind of have to go a little bit further down into the system um, to when you look at the guys who are producing, and Leonardo Bernal is one of those guys. I mean, switching catcher, 19 years old at Palm Beach, um, is off to a really strong start there, uh, playing in a league where he's younger than than the average hitter at that level. Mm-hmm. Um one of, the, I think, three 19-year-old prospects there, and he's really standing out. I think he's batting uh, – he, he's off to just a really strong start, um, kind of hitting in that middle of the order for Palm Beach. And uh, when you look at the metrics, I guess, and you look at the StatCast data that's available there, I mean, he's hitting the ball pretty hard as well. Um, but, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I think when it comes to the guys who really haven't stood out, I think we're seeing them figure it out a little bit. Uh, Mason wins one of them where – you know, he was batting around kind of that, you know, 180, the low 200 mark. Uh, now, I mean, he's had a couple of good games. I mean, got his average up to around 230, uh, had a 3-8 game on Wednesday night, hit his second homer in AAA. Um, and I, I think we're just seeing him starting to make more solid contact. I mean, because I, I think when you look at a lot of the other numbers, I think his walk rate's a little bit down. Um, strikeout rate's kind of the same from where it was uh, when he was in Springfield a year ago, but... I think now we're just kind of seeing him just just really adapt to the AAA pitching and, and starting to make a little bit more solid contact than before. And and after that, I mean, it's just about sustaining that and being able to, to make it more consistent for him. And to feel like he's able to counteract against pitchers, I think would be the next step is like baseball is all about moves and counter moves, right? Mm-hmm. Like, we see it all the time. Last year, pitchers, after kind of breaking out, Nolan Gorman struggled because pitchers adapted to him, and he had a hard time adapting backwards to that. Uh, seeing sustained success against guys who have experience against you, have a scouting report against you, that's part of the growth of baseball and, and seeing that. Speaking speaking of which, now I think it's a good time to talk about uh, Memphis with Jordan Walker being optioned back to uh, AAA we both kind of said at the beginning of the year that we wouldn't likely be seeing Jordan Walker back in AAA. Um, without getting too deep into the feelings about the move, which I feel like we might be able to do so later, kind of express what our opinions are of, of the decision to option Jordan Walker. What What is the hope 
that Jordan Walker accomplishes at AAA. It feels like he has nothing left to accomplish in the minors. But what what what's I guess what the hope of like what when you're looking at his stat line, when you're looking at his performance in AAA, what would you hope for? Um, I think, and I, I think the Cardinals have kind of laid this out in um, the times that they've met with the media who are on the road. Like Derek Golden has reported in the Post Dispatch and SDL today. Um, that they want to see Jordan Walker kind of starting to lift the ball. I mean, he's hitting the hard – he's hitting the ball hard, but a lot of it's, you know, on the ground, up the middle. Um, and he's Purdue – I mean, you can't deny the results, right? I mean, he – what, produced a, around 270 batting average yep. his first 20 games. Um, obviously had that 12-game hit streak to start his career. So, I mean, he was producing cons- with some consistency, but I, I think what – what what the Cardinals weren't seeing, and now obviously what we weren't seeing, um, just from the day in and day out, is is him being able to to kind of get the ball in the air. I mean, last year he only had 19 home runs, but I think he doubled 34 times, 31 times maybe. He had over 30 yeah. doubles. Yeah, he um, was able to get into the power alleys really often. Right, and and that's obviously when you look at his, uh, I guess prospect identity or prospect um, kind of makeup. Uh, that power tool is one of the bigger things from him. That's really made him ascend to, to being one of the top prospects in baseball. And, and I think that's what we're going to see him work on more down in the minors. Um, and maybe it's not as much results oriented, but it's just more metrically visually, you know, where is he hitting the ball? How, what, what does the contact look like? Where's the ball going? Um, and I, I think that that'll be, um, you know, what, what we're going to, what, what I guess us as reporters and obviously what the Cardinals are looking for to see, you know, him make those adjustments to kind of get to where he, uh, where they want him to be at. It seems like a strange move to send him to AAA to, to do that. Uh, one, because the other thing they've talked about kind of often is um, wanting to work on his defense in right field. That, that mm-hmm. has been admittedly a um, sore, sp- a, a sore spot in his game so far that though we've talked about it at ad nauseum, He's just learning the position. There was going to be hiccups to this. It's expected. Um, but it, it feels like if you want him to produce at the major league level, he needs reps at the major league level. And considering that he wasn't hurting your offense, your lineup yeah. with his production, even though it wasn't the type of production that you wanted, it was still production. He's not hurting you. It seems very strange to send him back to AAA to let guys who aren't as productive, who, who aren't as productive come up and get opportunities right like that's the confusing part of this the other part of it that i kind of think is like a weird this is an angle of it that i i i i don't want to accuse anyone of playing the angle but it definitely becomes a factor as to all of a sudden this is like a service time manipulation thing where like this factors into his mlb service time and so like instead of calling him up in mid-may you send him down for a couple weeks and it acts the same way like you you can you can do a little bit of that kind of thing now, um, not to your benefit, right? It's just a different like type of benefit, uh, but it is something that makes me. Cons- it's like oh well, we'll just send him down because we can. Like of the guys who can get sent down, he's really the only one. I guess Alec Burleson could have as well, um, but of the guys in that outfield logjam, he was the one who could have been sent down. So it was like oh no sweat, we can just send him down. Like there wasn't a whole lot of like thought beyond that. It seems like. Um, I, I do think, and I, I think uh, according to kind of the rules of the latest collective bargaining agreement uh, with Major League Baseball and, and the Players Association, that I, the Cardinals are still 
I think, eligible um, for earning an extra draft pick. Uh, if obviously Walker comes back, uh, or when I would I would yeah, likely when. say I mean, when he comes back, um, if he's able to produce and end up, you know, finishing, you know, high in rookie of the year voting or you know possibly MVP voting year award or MVP voting, right? Where I mean, there, there's still that possibility, right? Where he can still earn his full year of service time. The Cardinals will, could still get compensated for, you know, putting one of the yep. top 100 prospects in baseball on the opening day roster. Um, but I mean, I, I it, it the thing that kind of strikes me, I guess, with this move is that it's it's a weird spot because obviously when you look at the Cardinals results wise, I mean, they're playing under 500 baseball. Yeah. Uh, seems like. Like, right. I mean, they've, they've talked about Cardinal. I mean, John Mazalek has talked about, you know, uh, changing things up, right. And finding something that's going to get him out of a funk to, to get on a roll. And I, it just, it just seems kind of obviously like an odd move, right. Of sending the top prospect down who everybody was so excited for, um, who produced immediately. Yep. Um, and has, that's still kind of produced. I, and I, and I, I get the sense, right. Where it's like the whole working on his, his, uh, defense thing was something that, I think when you looked at the possibilities and try to map it out in spring training where, you know, he could still get defensive work when he DHs or he would still, you know, be working obviously with like Willie McGee, who, you know, right. the guru out there. Um, but then you see the kind of ascent of Nolan Gorman and what he's done from the DH spot, then it makes it more difficult to find DH at bats for Jordan Walker um, to get that work in. But I, but I wouldn't say that, you know, the, the defense is, plaguing the team or defense was having that much of an effect that you had to, to move him out of a, out of a, out of that right field spot. But I mean, it, it just seems kind of like an odd turn of events from where we were at, you know, a month ago talking about Jordan yeah. Walker making the opening day roster. Yeah. And then the other thing I, I like to, you know, I think you make a good point about like all of a sudden Nolan Gorman seems like the everyday DH. When you go through the game logs and you see how often this team jumbles the lineup in defensive assignments, mm-hmm. there are enough there are enough innings for everyone to go around here with Jordan Walker. That's the thing is that like Jordan, if if you're really looking at who the best roster choice is, Jordan Walker still feels like he's the best player for the roster. It's a matter of you know like because the the way that like Nolan Gorman they've they've had him play second base, they've had him play third base, they've like they've DH'd him, right? There's a guy with three defensive like really like Jordan is the Jordan Walker is the defensive hardship here because he only plays one position that you only want him to play in the corner outfield and DH. Yeah. Whereas like there's actually three like there's three positions for Gorman. There's seven positions in all likelihood for Brendan Donovan. There's there's seven. three Tommy Edmond. Tommy Edmond. Like, <laughs> like, there's lots of flexibility to this defensive lineup. It's just a matter of, like, finding it. And so if, like, you really wanted to make Jordan Walker your DH slash right fielder, you could very easily do that. You just have to make the decision about what you do with the rest of the lineup. And that includes um, moving Brendan Donovan around. That includes moving, like, not playing Paul DeYoung as often that, so that you can have Tommy Edmond playing shortstop. That includes playing doing, doing things. You could, you could do it, and it seems like Ali Marmol is keen on doing it. They just mm-hmm. decided not to in order to get him opportunities at AAA to swing, which I don't know if I... Again, it's it's odd to say, like, hey, go go swing against a bunch of AAA guys, and that's how you learn how to lift the ball. But if that... I mean, that's certainly something that he could do while they sort out the issues at the big league club. 
I also kind of have, the, just off the top of my head here, I have the feeling that, like, is it possible they sent him down because they don't want to get this loser stink on him? Like, they don't want him, oh. like, like why, why, like, why play... From the top rope with that. Yeah, one. like why play for like if he like if if we're gonna stink like let's let's solve our problems while we're stinking and find out like which outfielder in this major league group of like O'Neill Carlson, Newt Bar Burleson is the odd man out, and when we decide who the odd man out is, that's when we call up uh, Walker to make him the odd man out. Do you think? I mean, and this is not to. I, I know we've talked about the WBC a lot and uh, the Cardinals having so many guys out of camp being able to evaluate so many players and so like, you know, finite number of opportunities. Um, And this is not, you know, to, to bash the the world baseball classic. I mean, I'm, I admittedly am a fan of it. I love international tournaments. I love the world cup, the Olympics, all of that. And I think it's great for the sport. It grows the game. Um, But when you look at, I mean, and I think Ollie more, Ollie is Marmol has talked about this where it's like the WBC kind of limited on how they could evaluate, you know, who that center fielder was going to be. And obviously Tyler O'Neill had innings and opportunities to play center for Team Canada. Lars Newport did, did the same for Japan. And, and it's yeah. weird because like now we're at the end of April. Or like, do you get that sense? Like we're at the end of April and now it's in a spot where it's like, okay, well, we're still figuring out who's best where. Yeah, but I don't think like it like if you really want to think that like grapefruit league games directly correlate to the regular season, right? Like, right. sure, yeah. Like, maybe, maybe you could have given them more opportunities to figure out who's going to play center field in the grapefruit league. But like, they've had plenty of opportunities this month to give Dylan. Car- I mean, I guess Dylan Carlson is the only one who hasn't had an opportunity to be mm-hmm. an everyday center fielder. But you've given like Tyler O'Neill isn't the center fielder anymore because he wasn't good enough to be the center fielder. Like, I don't think that has anything to do with the World Baseball Classic evaluation period. Like, mm-hmm. if he was the good enough to be the, re- the everyday center fielder, both offensively and defensively, he still would be. Lars Nubar's getting his chance, right? Like, mm-hmm. if, if, like I, if anything, I'd probably point towards, like, look at the World Cup. Is Barcelona? Is Real Madrid? Is Man City? Is, is um, right, you know, Yeah, I mean, does Chelsea, does, does Chelsea blame their problems in the Premier League? On, on their guys leaving for for the World Cup? No, right, exactly. Like no, like yeah. because because they've now I, I might I might agree with you that say maybe there is an an adaptation period that has to take place as to like how to manage that, and Cardinals mm-hmm. did it poorly this first time around. That's possible. Like maybe like maybe there is like soccer clubs are more familiar with how to adapt to a World Cup cycle, to a WBC cycle in this case, and like the Cardinals didn't. And the Cardinals didn't know how to do it because it's their first time doing it like this, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, so and then obviously the, the timing of it. I mean, the world. I think we've talked about it before. The WBC is so hard to plan. It the, yeah. the the nature of the sport. It's hard to pick a right time to do it. Yeah, right. Exactly. There is no good time to do it. It's it's there isn't a, a slot in the baseball calendar that makes sense compared to where there it is in soccer. But it it's it's you know those those clubs don't have you know they're not blaming. You know, Chelsea isn't blaming Christian Pulisic's play on his time with Team USA, mm-hmm. right? Like, Bayern Munich doesn't care about Alfonso Davies well, playing for Team Canada. Does like, Pulisic even play for Chelsea anymore? I mean, the minutes are yeah. I, I that, 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 that's a that, that's that's a topic for another podcast on the STL Today Podcast Network, possibly. Yes, well, STL Soccer Talk. We'll, we'll we'll check out STL Soccer Talk. We'll do that next week. Um, but on like, I mean, back to minor league baseball. It's yes. it is. Um, it is something to keep an eye on for sure. I mean, I, I think if Jordan Walker, like, 
it's almost mm-hmm. unfortunate. Like how long, how long, how good does he have to be to be down there for long? Right. Like, it's like, when, when is, I mean, cause look, I, I, and I, I think the next question is like, well, when is the right time to bring him back? Right. Does he have to go out there yeah. and hit like, like 13 or 14 home runs to like prove that I can get the ball in the air? Like, yeah. Like, what does he have to do to like, like it's such, it's such a, like if he goes out there and hits 320 with 30 RBIs, but his, his launch angle is low. Are they going to not call him up? Like, it's a good question. I mean, because because if you have somebody down there who's had proven results at the majors, uh-huh. send him down to work on things, and you know maybe it's not. Good. It's yeah, and like you said, maybe it's not exactly the changes you want to see, but they're proven results. Then what is the the reason, or you know what what is the I guess the, the next step in in where he fits into the whole equation? The so easy answer is go hit a bunch of home runs. Mm-hmm. Right, go go get a bunch of home runs. Get your your um, what what is it like your launch angle popped up to the you know f- above forty five degree mark, and you'll be in the show. Mm-hmm. Um, any other thoughts on Jordan Walker here? Any other conspiracy theories you want to tote while I'm doing them? <laughs> conspiracy theories? No, but I mean it'll be it. I think he adds to kind of an interesting uh, Memphis lineup or Memphis yeah. kind of slew of prospects down there. He does. Um, almost like a smorgasbord. I mean, and I think part of it's because, you know, we saw a lot of these guys in Springfield. So naturally a lot of these guys are moving up and progressing through the system together. Um, Gordon Graceffo is one who we didn't talk about before, but I mean, he's figuring things out in the Memphis uh, rotation. I mean, obviously we mentioned Michael McGreevy, but um when you, when you kind of look at the rest of this Memphis lineup um, and you see where Jordan Walker fits, I mean, like I meant, like we mentioned before, he's batting fourth in his first game there, um, batting behind, I think, Juan Yepes and behind yep. Mason Wynn um, ahead of Moises Gomez. So it's like you're seeing, you know, kind of these two, I guess, that you'd maybe describe as, you know, these dazzling top prospects and then these other guys who, uh, like Juan Yepes, who's had – Big league at bats. Who's still figuring? I mean, still trying to you know prove that you know he can produce at the big league level. Um, and you have a guy behind him who is you know has a bunch of raw power and is looking to figure it out. So I mean, I, I think it'll be an interesting thing to look at how kind of they all complement each other and how they they kind of all mesh together, hitting it in in that yeah. in kind of that that order. I mean, if that that's what we see more often. Um, I think Memphis is obviously off to a good start. I mean, they at one point were had a twelve game win streak, have uh gotten some solid production from from some bullpen pitchers like Jake Walsh, who hasn't given up a run in seven and a third innings to start the year. Um so I mean, yeah, I I, I think just kind of you know, it it'll be kind of something to watch to see just how that that those that group of players meshes together. You're looking at the future of the club now with Jordan Walker there. Like that really solidifies it that like you're looking at like many, many pieces, you know, with McGreevy getting called up, Michael McGreevy called up to tr- class AAA Memphis, um, Gordon Graceffo pitching there, Matt Libertor pitching there, uh, Wynn, Walker, you know, the whole collection of, of them there. That's the next generation of Cardinals. And s- while Memphis goes on 12 game winning streaks and the Cardinals go on, longer losing streaks it makes it you're right it does make it a really interesting group to keep an eye on and and 
it, it's it, it, there is a lot to watch there now. It makes the MILB TV package worth it to watch them for Cardinals fans because you get to see kind of a concentration of all the the top prospects, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Right? You have your now you have your top two <laughs> prospects there. Arguably, your top two pitching prospects or top three. Arguably, you could make the case your top three pitching prospects. I know Tink Hens is probably the odd man out there, but with Libertor. Three, three of four. Three of four, yeah. yeah. Depending on where you want to put, depending on where you want to put um, uh, Hens in that group, um, it's an interesting thing to look out for. And, and um, is there, a, like, I mean, Matt Libertor is still the one who's going to get the first call up of, the, of that group, right? That's very much what it feels like. I mean, and obviously, like that. I mean, I, I think um, honestly, the only thing that that might change it is how things line up in the rotation. I mean, just with mm-hmm. who's available. Days, like right, right. I mean, but obviously, there's planning that goes into that. Um, but when you look at the results that he's produced down there, you look at the strikeout success. Um, he's still kind of walked a couple of guys, which is something he had mentioned and. Uh, when I had the chance to talk to him a while ago is something he's still trying to eliminate. Um, you know, and, and I think what you're seeing right now, and it's what he said, and he's pitching with a little bit more, he's throwing his curveball with more confidence. He's throwing, um, he's, I mean, he's pitching more effectively. He's not, he's, he's a little bit of different of a guy that we saw mm-hmm. last year. I mean, especially when it comes to his stuff, um, the, the innings he got during the grapefruit league, I mean, just helped him really just build up, Towards the season, I mean, there are more innings than he had pitched in previous spring trainings in in that in that setting. Um, continued to get stretched out in in backfield games, and and now we're seeing that velocity tick up earlier than we normally do. I mean, and, and I know we Matthew Libertor is a guy who averaged I think ninety three miles an hour on his fastball last year mm-hmm. in, in the big leagues. Um, had gotten it up to ninety seven, about 90, 98 maybe. I mean, you know, if he subscribed to the to the five to the point five or higher roundup, yeah. Uh, thinking, um, so I mean, we're but now we're seeing that in the middle of April, um, which is obviously a positive sign for his step and his de- or a positive sign for his development, and obviously just what it takes to pitch at the major league level. I mean, I, and I mean, a velocity. I know people can kind of uh, velo isn't everything, try, you know. Try to try to kind of put a damper on that of like, oh, well, this guy. So what if he throws this? But it's like, I mean, if they can throw that and command it and throw that in, you know, limit walks, limit uh, kind of hard contact, I mean, then you're looking at a guy who can slot into to a spot in the rotation and be productive for you. Yeah, Velo is – yeah, Velo isn't everything, but it's certainly something. And it's – and mm-hmm. like there are – we see guys all the time in the majors who can throw hard, but they don't have anything else. And Libertar has never been a guy who's just a hard thrower, which is what makes mm-hmm. him interesting. Um what what have been the differences we've seen from him this year? I mean, I I think he's pitching more assertively. He seems to be more confident, and that kind of translates to the stuff on his pitches. But is there something mechanically, or has he added something that, or is it, is it really just all about mindset and being confident in his work? I, I think we're seeing just that mindset and that confidence, like you touched on. Mm-hmm. Um, I one of the I, one of the kind of more vivid quotes, or one of the more kind of Interesting things that he mentioned uh, when I had the chance to talk to him is that, you know, especially when he's throwing his curveball, right, that he's throwing it with confidence, he's throwing it um, whether, I mean, regardless of the situation. I mean, and one of the funny things he said, he's like, whether it's a bullpen or whether I'm facing Mike Trout, he's like, I know that I'm going to land that pitch for a strike 
right? Know that he's that he knows that he's going to be able to command that pitch where he wants mm-hmm. it to be. Um, and I, I think that's that's what we're seeing now. Where I mean, you look at the swing and miss rate on that pitch. I think it was a um, around like the forty percent mark, um, which was up from where it was at the major league level. And I understand, you know, obviously. Uh, numbers are probably going to look nicer down at the minor league level or in AAA compared to the majors. Um, but I, I think you're seeing that pitch thrown with more confidence, with more assertiveness. Um, I think you're seeing his fastball really, I mean, especially with that extra velo, um, make him more of an, an assertive pitcher and kind of be able to to rear back late into his outings and and be able to blow pitch by a guy or spot it effectively and use that extra miles, few miles an hour to – you know, to get that strikeout or to get that soft contact that he's looking for. It's an interesting development, and he is the the next guy to be up in the major leagues, it feels like. Um, th- and like you said, like, they can move things around to make that so. Um, we're still, I mean, we're still kind of waiting for that first uh, double header that they'll need to play in order to get the extra man on the roster to, <laughs> yeah. to, get, him, to get him that start. Um but there's an, there are there are other guys who could be up next. You know, like this is the kind of thing about when you say like it's about who lines up in the bullpen. There are lots of guys at Memphis right now who could very well, um, maybe if the situation becomes right, get their eye right. Um, Gordon Graceffo has been pitching really well at Memphis. I've really liked what I've seen out of him. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I'm not even talking about the stats. I, I I'm talking about like how he looks the Michael boys, McGreevy, the, the demeanor the demeanor yeah Michael McGreevy made his made his start um let's talk about those two guys first because those are the guys to talk about maybe maybe we'll just make this a Memphis centric episode and we'll, and right. we will we will because there's lots to talk about with Memphis right yeah. inarguably there's lots to talk about and we'll talk about Springfield Peoria and and, and Palm Beach in the future um there's so many guys in, in Memphis right now that's the thing but Gordon Graceffo Michael McGreevy Graceffo, what strikes me is that he looks like a major league pitcher. He has the 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 body, the poise, the the control, the 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 frame. He looks like a guy who could step into the major leagues tomorrow, and you wouldn't go, "Oh, he looks out of place." Does that does that sound right to you? Yeah, no, I get you. I just have never been the. Uh, uh, I, guess, I, 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 I well, I guess I'm I'm a. <laughs> well, when. It, Look, I, I guess I understand that, you know, when there's guys that, you know, have the look, right, that he looks yeah. like a major league starter. Well, just like, looks there, like, like there are I mean, things about his mechanics where right. he just looks, he looks like a guy who, 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 who doesn't, he, he's, he's not just a oh, thrower. Oh, okay. No, I, I get you. I get like, you. I, I, I get what you're all, saying. Yeah. He has all I, the mechanical, like, he, no, I'm sorry. I'm not trying to say like the, the, yeah, the money. Yeah, ball, like, no. Well, he has a hot girlfriend, so he's a big league. Okay. That's what I was going to say. Cause I, I was going to say, you can't uh, say that when, uh. You know, Alejandro Kirk. <laughs> no, 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 no. And that's not that's yeah. not anything negative to say about Alejandro no. Kirk. I think he's a he's a fantastic hitter. Um, but I mean, yeah, but like you look at guys who kind of fit the what does the major leaguer look like? Um, but yeah, I think Gordon Graceffo kind of fits that that mold. But obviously, like you said, when you say mechanically, when you say um, pitch kind of mixed, the uh, what the pitches look like tunnels um, the ball really what, well what the metrics look like and, and what he does with it. It's like, okay, yeah, like this is a guy who eventually when he gets to the majors, you know, there, there's going to be a spot for him. The thing I think that strikes like, and, and it, it's, I know this is like an awkward thing to say, but like he, he commands the mound. He gets down the mound on his stride. He is compact in his, in his, 
mechanics. He's very clean. He's very repetitive. And he tunnels the ball really well, meaning that his arm action doesn't widely vary, which is, for me, when I'm watching, you know, guys in the lower levels, that's the thing that stands out to me as being the difference between guys who are really refined pitching-wise and not, is that they look different on every pitch. Gordon Graceffo looks the same on every pitch, which is, I think, a calling card of, like, Adam Wainwright. Adam Wainwright's body doesn't change when he's throwing a breaking ball, a changeup, or a fastball. It just comes out of his hand differently. Or, or his arm action is disguised. And so when I say Gordon Graceffo looks like a major league pitcher, it's like when you take those mechanics and you were to, like, do Photoshop and have him pitch in Bush Stadium, you'd go, oh, that's a big leaguer. That's not a that's not a college pitcher. That's not a you know that that's what that's what I mean is that his his, mm-hmm. his 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 body tells the story of a major league pitcher. Whereas like I I he isn't he isn't worked up enough. He hasn't had the innings to like he's like what's the longest the longest appearance he's made so far? Like four four something innings. Uh, with Memphis, yeah, uh, he threw six innings in his last start. Six okay, so the, the but that's the longest he's thrown all year, has hasn't mm-hmm. it been? Mm-hmm. Right, like he's still not and, there. And he's pitching uh, after we finish recording this podcast. So, so we'll have another one tonight, and we'll have more, more data to make me look stupid. Um, but like, it's all. It seems like there is. Um, They're pitching tomorrow, I should say. Tomorrow, okay. So, but it seems like maybe maybe his what's the what's the phrase I'm looking for? Like he has he's what made four starts, seventeen innings, you know three-something ERA. He hasn't been, like, lights out, but he's been very, very good. Mm-hmm. That's a fair... That's a. am not totally off there, right? No, I, I get what you're saying. Because, I mean, even in, in the first couple, or at least the second start, um, I think he pitched four hitless innings. But, I mean, the walks have been up in kind of the first three, um, if I'm not mistaken. He up seven hits in his debut. Uh, but since then, has only allowed six over nine innings. With a couple right, of right, right, five walks yeah. though, you know, like yeah. it's been. He, he's there. He's getting there. Like it's to to me, he is showing that he is in the right class. Like he's been assigned to the right team at a spring training. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, I think that's no, and that that's a really good point. I mean, of assigned to the right team at a spring training. Um, obviously, you don't want to see guys go back to the same level and. And just yeah. kind of shove again, right? And do what they did to end the year uh, where they're at. I mean, you're, there's there's a, a certain point where you play up to the level of the league and you get challenged again. But at the same time, like you said, you don't want to see a guy, or maybe you do sometimes when you see a guy uh, struggle and figure things out and kind of, you know, you want to see them struggle. Kind of, you want to kind of, kind of get their kind of get their feet wet in that sense. Um, but, I mean, right, where you're looking at Gordon Graceffo and just four stars, you're starting, already starting to see that kind of turnaround of like, okay, yeah, this guy is, you know, one of the top pitching prospects in the organization, and he's showing that, okay, he can play up to this level and can embrace that challenge and, and find success at that in that new realm. I keep saying, and it's not true when you look at his profile, like no, no one says it, so I'm not trying to imply that I know any better than anybody else. That he looks like an ace. 
like that he's got the 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 body the the mechanics of a guy who can throw 200 plus innings every year for you just because of how repeatable he looks but that's just a total vibes thing i'm not basing that on anything other than i just like watching him pitch um but yeah no i mean we live in a vibes-based economy and he is he is a, a a surging stock um the next the next guy i mean we, we talk about it he made one start uh I don't know if we got hit around. It's a quality. It's it's a if it's a quality start, right? Michael McGreevy. Mm-hmm. What was it six innings, three runs? That's a quality start. Is it no? Isn't it two runs? I thought it was three. I could be wrong. I'll, I'll, that could be wrong. I've always thought of it as three, six and three, which I think Mad Dog Russo made a big point about how that's not quality because um, Bob Gibson ne- would have never gone only six and given up three. Um, Oh yeah, three runs or three runs or runs or fewer. I feel like a dummy for not knowing that, or not yeah, I, not, that not knowing. But you know, I, yeah, I get you. I get you. Like I think, like I know Mad Dog Russo on on uh, Inside Pitch used to be like, "What what's quality about that?" No, but he went three because uh, because technically six three runs over six innings is a four point five ERA, and no one would say that like four point five is a quality ERA. Mm-hmm. It's very average ERA, right? Like sub four is probably when people start saying that's good. That's probably like, that's always yeah. been my problem. That's always been my barometer. This is, this is less, less about like minor leagues, but again, when I've always seen like who's good that year, if I see it above like four is kind of where I, I break the line. It's like, if you have a three, nine, if you have a three, nine, two, you've had a pretty good year. If you've had a four Oh five, you've had a, it's been a harder year. For I've always said under 3.5. It's like, okay, he was good. And oh then yeah. If you're yeah. within that, like three ten. Below, it's like okay, yeah, this guy was actually pretty good this year. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think that's fair. I've always, there's just always been something about the number four, like you like if you can avoid having a four on your ERA, that means you had a, a pretty good year. Mm-hmm. Not a great year, but like if, if you're a number four, if every pitcher in your pitching rotation, your starting your starting staff has a sub four ERA, you had a great staff that year. Yeah, I mean, because everything's kind of with the mean, I guess, yeah. right? Because like you're. Yeah. Yeah, I get you. But anyways, um, back to McGreevy. It was a good start. Yeah, right? no, I I, 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 for for a first Triple A start, I mean, I, I think he was off to the right, off on the right foot. Um, obviously, gave up a homer in the three runs. Uh, walked, I think, two guys. Uh, he had only walked really one guy in what was it like eighteen innings before that. Um, yeah, and uh, obviously, I'm looking at his game logs now. Uh, uh, yeah, one 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 walk all season before getting to, um, before getting to Memphis. Yeah, and I, I think obviously that speaks to kind of the the style of pitcher that he is. He's somebody who's going to pound the strike zone. Um, he has mentioned in the past that he'd rather give up a hit than walk someone because if you give up a hit, at least your defense can try to you know play defense. Um, yeah, that's right. That's like the whole bad thing. You can't yeah. you can't play defense against against the walk. Um, but yeah, but I, I think when you look at just what his pitches look like, where his command was at, I, I think there's still um, it wasn't his sharpest outing. I think still that that one of the previous ones, seven and two thirds uh, in Springfield, really was that one where it's like you saw that you know that why he was a first round pick. I mean, you saw him command his pitches. You saw the way he he used his slider as an out pitch, uh, kept it down. Um, I think you saw some of that. Uh, with his command, especially in this last outing, I mean, there were a lot of pitches kind of left over the middle of the zone. Um, I think his slider kind of just got away from him a few times. The velocity, 
uh, after we, you know, talked to Matthew Libertor and his improvements in velocity, uh, Michael McGreevy, that's something that, you know, he hasn't really had a whole lot of or has been able to sustain over an entire season. Um, yesterday, I think his, his uh, fastball averaged, you know, kind of around 91 miles an hour, topped out at 94. Um, I think moving forward that, I mean, I, I, I know I've said it before, but I, that, that'll be the key for him. I mean, just because it, when it, when it comes to sustaining velocity, it's about sustaining it over an entire season. And he's mentioned that um, that's what the Cardinals are looking for. Um, and, you know, now there's more data available to us because Memphis is in AAA yeah. games or have StatCast data available, which is awesome. So, I mean, we'll, we'll be able to kind of keep an eye on that and kind of learn more about uh, just the type of pitcher he is over the course of an entire season. And that's, that's the thing for where it feels like you need to see that from lots of guys in this in this system. McGreevy being one of them is do it over the course of a season. Be be a pitcher, not just a guy. Mm-hmm. Which is, you know, I th- I think that's you know, if you can get velo for the entire year, based on just physicality alone, the rest of it will come eventually. Mm-hmm. Right? Like if he can maintain his velo, he has the stuff to maintain it. Maintain quality so long as he can keep that VLO up. Um, that's just one guy's opinion, though. <laughs> just one guy's opinion. Maybe you have a different opinion. You're allowed to share it. Uh, but you're right. Now with that, that there is um, more... What's the word I'm looking for? Um, uh, data, thanks to being in Memphis. There's a lot of fun tools you can play around with on Baseball Savant that make you go, ooh, find out more about these pitchers, which I have... Kind of, I didn't, I guess, think about until you kind of brought it up here, and now I'm looking at Michael McGreevy's last start and just being like, "Huh, that dude was all over the place in in Memphis." And his did he and did he throw? Um, what is it? How many pitches did he throw here? It looks like like a hundred pitches. No, no, he stayed under that. That lo- it looks like uh, maybe I'm reading the math here wrong, but like, yeah, it looks like he like threw a well. He got a lot of swing and miss, which is interesting. Uh, batter swung at 53 and you know he got 22 swing and misses it looks like mm-hmm. uh, which is something for that guy that's not the guy i think of as swing and miss so am i totally wrong about that no i mean he's a guy who pitches contact and he's yeah. it's funny because he's mentioned before that uh you know that gordon graceffo is a swing and miss guy that you know gordon's a strikeout guy and, and yeah. uh that you know he's the, the get the get the ball on the ground guy the ground ball out type pitcher Okay, with these guys now out of the way, are there any other pitchers we need to, to highlight at Memphis? You talked about Jake Walsh. Uh, I'm a big. I've been a proponent of Jake Walsh. I believe I had him as my most my dark horse to make the Cardinals uh, roster out of spring training. And mm-hmm. I think I think immediately after that episode was released, uh, he was sent back to minor league camp. So good on me for jinxing Jake Walsh. Uh, anybody else in Memphis that? yields talking about and then you know we're now 44 minutes into this i think we can save up springfield for next week yeah i mean i, I think just the one other person who when it comes to pitching prospects i mean connor thomas is a guy who uh, obviously we talked about a lot last yeah. fall and the changes I he's made forgot. um he's still i mean when you look at the numbers and you look at just the stat line i mean the things are kind of turning around he's pitching deeper into games mm. i think the one thing we're not seeing as much before i mean compared to what he did you know, in October, November, um, versus yeah, at the fall yeah, league. versus April through September, 
Um, he got a lot of swing and miss and a lot of strikeouts. And, and I, I think we haven't seen a whole lot of swing and miss as of late with him. Um, that cutter has been kind of like a second or third pitch in his arsenal. I mean, obviously fastball slider is kind of where he lives. Um, Should he, though? My well, call. Should he? My call. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, yeah, but, I mean, I, I, I think he's somebody who, same thing, is kind of uh, getting settled in. Uh, we're starting to see some results turn up. Uh, I mean, and and, and, and I, I think that'll be the one kind of indicator of where he's at and kind of how he will build off of that that fall league, right? I mean, is he going to be that same guy who we saw in Arizona, uh, you know, strike out over 30 batters? Yeah. Um, and have one of the better K rates among among prospects in the fall league. I mean, is, is, can that translate into uh, what he's doing at Memphis? And I think slowly we're starting to see a little bit more of that with just consistency in how he's pitching um, and the length that he's uh, giving to Memphis in, in his last couple of outings. I, I I think that's that's kind of the picture he's kind of reverting back to being, um, just somebody who's going to be able to eat innings. Uh but I mean, only 20 strikeouts in 27 innings is a little bit kind of slower than you'd hope. Slower than yeah, obviously you'd hope or you would expect after he uh, yeah. made you know was able to to make those changes and find success with just one pitch. It it is. Um, I think actually there's there's something really good here brewing with Memphis in terms of like they um, don't have to worry about rushing to like in in the event of a. Um, injury on the main pitching on the on the pitching rotation, specific you know specifically starting pitching. Um, and I guess when you go into the bullpen as well with a guy like Jake Walsh coming out as a righty, um, you have Andre Pallante down there, um, who who is good against lefties as a split. But there is no um, rush or in the event of an injury to, that you have to turn to Graceffo or McGreevy as your first call ups. And obviously, you have to have that that roster crunch of adding him to the forty man. Right. Well, I'd ima- so what I'm suggesting is that, like, in the event of like a sixty day injury, mm-hmm. you don't have to worry about calling them up early. You have a lot of guys you can go to who are already on the forty man, um, who can who you are genuine who, who are genuinely interesting as call ups. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. There are lots of guys in the way, which. I think kind of mm-hmm. may, maybe goes unsaid with this right now, but um, like I don't think anybody's clamoring to like rush Gordon Graceffo or Michael McGreevy to the show. But uh, I would be very fascinated to see Connor Thomas in a start. I'd be very fascinated to see Matthew Libertor in a start. Um, there are, I mean, opportunities for these guys that will be laid out, and they're going to get those opportunities. And so you can kind of let Gordon and 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 Michael just kind of work like, mm-hmm. Hey, don't, don't, don't think about that. Don't mm-hmm. like, I know you want to get to the show. I know you want to force our hand, but just work, do the work and you'll get there. Eventually mm-hmm. pitch every fifth day without interruption and, and be good. Let those guys worry about when their call is going to come, yeah. which is not like a necessarily like revolutionary style of development, but it's something, it's something, mm-hmm. it's something Daniel, right? Like, we we got we got to think of something here that's interesting, especially with the major league team playing so poorly. We got to create drama somehow, right? And I guess create drama down in the minors. I mean, I I think to your point of of letting them uh, pitch an entire season, knowing like okay, you're going to be a starter, then you don't have that 
question of like, okay, when he gets like forced, you know, kind of forced into a bullpen or at the major league level, and then you're kind of back into to that same trend of seeing these guys who are starters in the minors have to shift to becoming a bullpen arm. Yeah. And, and then you're kind of in that cycle of like, okay, well, we saw that with Jordan Hicks and we saw that with, you know, we saw a little bit of that with Matthew Lubertor. We're seeing it with Zach Thompson where these guys yeah. who are starters end up, you know, becoming two, you know, a couple inning guys out of the bullpen. Uh, but, I mean, yeah, when you have that flexibility of guys who are ready to contribute at the major league level and see where those what, – what those improvements and where those results take them uh, at the highest level, um, you can with – Michael and Gordon just let guys continue to develop to be starters. And you're looking at, especially when you're looking at the future, right? And you're looking at what the rotation, Cardinals rotation could look like in 2024. You have a couple of guys who, okay, well, you're going to give them innings in Memphis. They can um, slot in. Let them work, let them find success, let them struggle, let them work through things. And then you're in Jupiter in 2024 and you're thinking like, okay, well, I mean, you have a full sample size of what these guys look like in AAA. Um, and now you're, Coming into the year with, I mean, obviously there's a lot of things that can change with with, with rotation, yeah. but when you when you look at where where it currently stands and uh, guys who are under contract through 2024, it's like okay, well you have a couple of guys at the minor level who you have a better sense of of who they can be. It makes it really it'll make it really interesting to kind of pair their performance. These four guys specifically, who's the fifth guy right now in Memphis? The fifth starter is it Lost in Love? No, it's Tommy Parsons. He was just Tommy activated Parsons. today. Well, I mean, it was James Nail for a little bit. It was kind yeah, of like a bullpen type I thought he had a start. Tommy Parsons dealt with, the, I think, a back injury. So uh, he was activated today and is starting tonight. Not Gordon Persefa, who I mistakenly um, mentioned. It's already been edited out. <laughs> cool. Um, I, I edited all your mistakes, Daniel. But, yeah. But, uh, but you're like you said, I mean, you're seeing four guys, uh, three certainly, who could shape up as parts of a rotation and a, and a third – I mean, a fourth guy who, you know, if he finds that same success that he did in Arizona, could you know be easily be sort, yeah. sort of an, sort of an effective guy out of the bullpen with yeah. um, from the left side. Well, I think what, what what I think what I think I'm trying to say here is that like it will be fascinating to see how their performance this year. Like, let's say McGreevy and Graceffo go out and shove in AAA, and by shove, let's use our own barometers of like sub three five ERAs over 140 innings. Mm-hmm. Right, like, because, like, let's let's say that's the number. Like, I don't know if they, I don't know if they get to those numbers, but let's just say that that's what they get to. What do the Cardinals decision makers do in free agency this offseason when you need to fill out a pitching rotation? Like, do you go okay? Like, we're we are entering spring training, going Gordon Graceffo is our number five. We have Miles Michaelis to an extension. We have, uh, we have to extend. You know, we have to, who else, who? I mean, we have Jack. We have. Adam, we have Monty as question marks or gone. We need to sign a bunch of free agents. Who do we sign or who do we account for if these guys go out there and shove, right? Mm-hmm. Like how does, the, how does how does their performance at a full season of AAA change the, the free agency math next offseason? Mm-hmm. Do you need to go out and get four starters or three starters or two starters? I think there's an interesting calculus to be done there, but it is, again, reminder – uh, as we record this, April twenty seventh. I was going to um, say the kind of the whole uh, the the tune in next week to find out. Yeah. It won't be next week. It'll be uh, a few months from now. <laughs> tune in, tune in next year. <laughs> will the prospector say? Well, what do he save the prospector? Tune in well, next yeah. year. 
What happened? Nothing. Um, you got anything else to say here? Cancel. Sorry. Sorry, sorry. Uh, I don't want. I don't want to get on this Toy Story two tangent. No, we will do the whole. Let's just do a whole reproduction here on the pod. Okay, Daniel, got anything else? You, got yeah. What really? Uh, got anything else here to say before we uh, hit the road? Um, I think I think we've we've booked you to be a guest on STL Soccer Talk already for this season. Uh, Am I? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We have you on the schedule. Really? Yeah. Well, I hope uh, Jan Luis and all the people from the Mexican Soccer Federation are tuning in because I have some choice words for them. Oh, interesting. Okay. <laughs> okay. Let me... Yeah. So we have Jan we have you, we have you scheduled. Maybe we need to get Tom Timmerman on here next. Jan de Luis, I better watch out. <laughs> and if, and sorry, was, you want to send him off here? Ben Rowley, man, is better watch out. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> i got to get off this, this thing. But yes, but uh, uh, I mean, it's good to be back for this pod. I mean, uh, we're looking to do this more regularly as we enter uh, this season. I mean, so uh, yeah, just as I always say, I guess keep it locked in. Uh, STL Today, STL Pinch Hits, uh, pages of the Post-Dispatch. Uh, you know, it's the end of April, so I mean – getting bigger sample sizes, better uh, evaluations of what Cardinals and the Cardinal system are looking like. Uh, we'll continue to provide in-depth coverage um, all over the place. I mean, from Derek Gold to Ben Fredrickson to Benjamin Hockman to Lynn Worley, Carter Chapley. Uh, I saw you do the 10 Hockman right now. But yeah, just keep it locked in. I mean, we're uh, do our best to keep you guys uh, covered. Couldn't have said it better myself. We will. We're, we are back on the regular schedule. Neither of us have vacation time booked anytime soon. Um, so we are back on the regular schedule, and we will talk to you this time next week.